Everyone at this meeting, like you said, is really for we need some kind of national legislation that's providing some clarity and some real definitions. Welcome to Name Image Likeness, the podcast dedicated to the NIL world. I'm Wheeler. And I'm Chrissy. We serve on the NIL compliance team for Victory Five. Victory Five provides life skills and financial literacy workshops and contract disclosure toolkits to collegiate athletic programs. Today, this episode will be a little different. Yes, it will. Yeah, we're coming to you on a Friday because we wanted to provide some breaking coverage. We're recording on a Thursday. Though. Yeah. So today, the Subcommittee on Consumer Protection and Commerce on the Committee on Energy and Commerce met to discuss college athletes' rights to their name, image, and likeness. And we want to talk about some of the key takeaways. So during this meeting, it was brought up that we do not have standardized legislation across the country regarding NIL opportunities for student athletes. And so then we just kind of expanded upon that for a couple hours. It was, it was pretty interesting. We really enjoyed it. Um, but this meeting was all about discussing how confusing having all the different states laws, how that is for student athletes. And then also how it would be beneficial to have one piece of national legislation to guide everything. Right. And that, that was pretty unanimous. I mean, during that whole talk, not a single dissenter was saying, hey, no, we need to keep it all in the States. No, not that, a single person was that saying. Was, that was pretty interesting. You yeah. know, we, Wheeler, you and I serve on boards here in Savannah, and I've never had a meeting where everyone was in total agreement. Especially there, yeah. U.S. <laughs> government agreeing, something's off, right? Who knows? <laughs> uh, but, you know, during this meeting, we heard from some pretty interesting witnesses. So we heard from Executive Director Huma from the National College Players Association. We heard from Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, um, Linda Livingston from she's the president of Baylor University, Jackie McWilliams, the commissioner of the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, and Kimmy March, that golfer who developed her own app from Washington State University. So they all provided testimony during this committee meeting. And there was not a lot of love for Mark Emmert. (laughs) He was repeatedly reminded how the NCAA was determined to have violated antitrust laws by the Supreme Court. Um, Yeah, Huma was really, you know, adamant about that. So he did a lot of that mm -hmm. work in California that kind of sparked this this legislation kind of getting going, you know, jumpstarted it, fire rocketed up. But yeah, Huma was really against Mark on that. Absolutely. It was it was interesting. It was super interesting. So we want to talk about it. Yeah. So um, what did we learn? So some interesting points were brought up. One was one emphasized that, um, you know, this push for Congress to pass federal guidance for athletes. So the patchwork of different states and legislation is confusing not only to athletes, but to recruiters, to schools, to parents. You know, getting into athletics, you're in high school you have to kind of take that step to the next level and having stuff at the state level really is kind of confusing. Mm -hmm. And it kind of brought up what was, uh, you know, a lot of hesitation and a lot of conversation was talking about it where each, each state has a different legislation. Well, is there a competitive advantage? Is that going to encourage one, one student athlete to go to one school versus another, or, you know, Chrissy might talk about it later, but you know, different states, um, our different conferences might have different state laws. So, uh, like the SEC, we have, for example, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, all kinds of states. And like just dealing with that at the that level, 
each uh, state has different legislation. So that was really, really interesting. Um, yeah, so like students might actually seek out opportunities for NIL rather than finding an athletic program that would otherwise be a better fit mm-hmm. for the student. And, you know, it was brought up that most college athletes are not going to go on to, p- to play professionally. and right. so only 2%. Exactly. And so it's so important for them to also get a great education while they're there. And if they're just chasing these NIL opportunities, which they are not guaranteed to have anyway, they might really make a choice in terms of their academic career that's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. You know, maybe they needed to go to a different school where they could have an area of study that would benefit them more. And it, it's very concerning. They brought up a lot of, of points about that. Yeah, totally. And um, it was also proposed that the legislation should include clear definitions of third parties. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we're kind of thinking about because, you know, as we're kind of figuring out what is going on, um, we have Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One. This is expanding all of the NCAA. So everybody that Mark Emmer kind of sits on top of, he's uh, – we have like a lot going on. And making concise, concise legislation that makes sense for everyone, there was a lot of um, you know concern that mm-hmm. it wouldn't be equitable. Mm-hmm. And like making these laws equitable. And that's so difficult kind of to conceive. And so part of that was kind of defining like what is a third party? What is mm-hmm. a, a benefit from a third party? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, there's just so many, there's just so many questions. And so, you know, going on with the third parties and um, I guess just kind of moving into contracts, you know, defining who these students should work with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking about, okay, we want to make sure that this is not pay for play. How do we determine that it's appropriate? These students can work with these businesses. This won't make them ineligible. They won't be breaking any rules. And that's so loosely defined by all these different states, it's confusing to these athletes. And so that's why they're saying we need to have this one piece of legislation that's really going to guide the students. They won't be guessing. Um, as you mentioned, conferences could have schools in all different states, several different states. And this is confusing and it's hard to provide guidance to these students. Um, also, in terms of contracts, it was noted that some of these contracts, and we talked about this in our first episode, but some of these contracts can really be predatory. Yeah, and they could be. And students, you know, we also mentioned that this could be the first time they're signing anything like this. They've never even signed a lease to rent anything. So they're unfamiliar. This could be predatory. They don't want to get into signing some contract that is going to let this company have an interest in these student athletes for a long time to come, you know, after they become, if they do become professional. Right. And what do they, so um, you know way more about this than Mm -hmm. I do because of your background, but so these contracts are out there. What's going on? Who's actually going to do the reviewing and kind of, is it going to be at the, at the school level or what are the, uh, you know, the people at this meeting, what were they proposing? Like kind of like, what do they want? Well, our, everyone's best friend, Mark Emmert. Mark Emmert. (laughs) I thought this was really interesting. Um, because right now it's just it's so self-policing and that's still what he was proposing but he was proposing a national clearinghouse that would review NIL contracts and so the student the schools themselves would receive these contracts from students just like they're doing now that's you know we do that with schools with VictoryFi um you know you provide contact disclosure review and um but the schools would still be collecting collecting these contracts reviewing them but then they would ultimately be sent up to this national clearinghouse and I was saying to you during, as we were watching this, um, 
it it reminds me of now they would send all the contracts not just suspicious ones but or that's what he was proposing but this kind of reminds me how in the banking system banks file SARS which are suspicious activity reports and it's kind of on the bank level just like on the school level it's self-reporting and so they notice something that looks suspicious or not right and so they were they prepare their own reports and then they send it up to the financial crimes enforcement network and then FinCEN kind of takes it from there and it, that's just kind of you're sending this information up to a government agency and then they're taking it from there and they're tracking everything so they they have this whole day database of everything you're sending and um i just think you made me laugh earlier what is a t- you call, did you call it a, oh, tick- a tickler a, a t- yeah what, what's a tickler <laughs> a tickler system so it's just it's something that would notify you so um you know if whatever this national clearinghouse is if this is something that actually would come to fruition um it would just be there would be some parameters that are set up in there and if these contracts this is all in my head, so I'm assuming it would work based on what he said in this right. meeting. But um, if this contract hit these certain suspicious terms, or maybe there are key words it would find. And something like that could be length of contract. It could be mm-hmm. amount. It could be anything. Yeah, an exchange of good and service or lack thereof. Exactly. And so then, you know, the tickler system would identify, okay, this looks suspicious. This should be reviewed. And so then it's more than just the school reviewing and saying yes or no. Hopefully, obviously, on the school level, they are reviewing as they're supposed to be doing per athlete and saying, okay, this, this is a great contract. This is what you should be doing. Um, or like, oh my gosh, maybe you need to renegotiate this. This looks a little predatory, but that was, that was just pretty interesting. Um, the idea is interesting. So, so we'll see. Right. And so, um, another interesting thing. So, uh, McWilliams brought up that the point that division two and division three schools and their conferences are going to be impacted totally different than D1 schools. So we're trying to talk about sweeping legislation for everyone and staying out of the way and being equitable and all that. But the reality is that, you know, different schools have different enrollment and they have different in sizes. And a lot of them, a lot of these programs aren't profitable to begin with. I mean, you know, requiring some kind of, if there's a monetary requirement to disclose certain things or even have the processes in place, you know, they may not be able to afford it. And so a lot of their concerns were like, hey, how are we going to afford this? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's going to be the steps required from us? And is it actually going to make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so she noted that each conference has different resources, kind of like we were talking about, and the availability of NIL deals could have a negative impact on lesser funded schools and conferences. I mean, she even brought up like shutting down a conference because it's, you know, students just as we were saying before, if they're just chasing the opportunity, which it's not even guaranteed, this is just the opportunity to potentially earn money. And if they're just chasing that because one school says, oh, we can, we have the, these students have gotten this in the past. You could do something too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that could really negative Im- negatively impact these schools where they could really excel academically as a student athlete and really have this very enriching experience as a student athlete, but they might miss out because they're chasing other things and it could kind of bring down some, some school programs. Yeah. Especially if they're not making money, mm-hmm. you know, and then like, it's, it's an opportunity to get maybe first time um, student students to college. You know, mm-hmm. we were looking at the stats and um, I think it's 37% of all, you know, people in the United States are actually going to college and becoming gra- college graduates. And that's increased greatly since like the 50s, where it was only like 6 or 7%. That is so wild. So like recently, it's, and that's not that much that much time in like the great span of things that people are actually getting 
to go to college now. And Mm -hmm. like, that's a benefit in itself right there that it's just super interesting. It's like, man, are we really backing up from your opportunity, the first one from your family to go to college? Mm -hmm. That's still happening all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, is is that not the the greater benefit? Um, It's just really, really interesting to think about. And like, yeah. Well, so a lot of people that spoke today, whether they're on the committee or they were, you know, witnesses or just in attendance, there were a lot of student athletes. And because they were student athletes, they were also the first members of their family to attend college, mm-hmm. which was amazing that they had this opportunity. And I know um, McWilliams even said, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically like, I know that the school used me to, you know, benefit their athletic program, but I also used my school because I got a free education. And um, it was really neat to see that, to hear from these former student athletes who have now gone on and see what they would have done. And also, you know, we, we really heard a lot of um, student athletes, especially the female student athletes who didn't necessarily come from basketball and football, the men's basketball and football programs in these schools. It was interesting to see how much they're just wanting the opportunity, as we said, to potentially earn money from things. When you're in college, who has a ton of money in college? No one. No one. And, you know, or just few. to even do camps in the summer, just to make some extra spending money, just having that opportunity. Um, really, really, really interesting point of view. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're starting to see. It's like this this legislation, they, they want to have something really high level that makes every state follow the same guidelines. And you can already kind of see that it's just not going to be pretty. Like, it's mm-hmm. not going to be simple. There's going to have to be a lot of debate and figuring this out because there's other things kind of going in or trying to be get into this, like collective bargaining. And we heard a lot of stuff about student, uh, student athlete safety and health concerns, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of, you know, wrapping that into yes. NIL legislation. Whereas I don't know if the point of it was just to let student athletes be entrepreneurs and say, like you were talking about, you want to open up a camp. We have um, people in the community that want to look up to these student athletes. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that about that in the past. Yeah, they'll pay $30 a session per kid for three weeks to go learn from their favorite role models about beach volleyball or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, is it about entrepreneurial stuff? But then you have these really big companies coming in and doing exchange deals for money, monetary, you know, I come in, I deal with a uh, reputable company, hopefully, which we have to determine who's reputable and who's not. That's another thing we have to talk about. Mm -hmm. But like they come in, they bring money to student athletes and like they have to exchange goods and services for that money. Mm -hmm. But that's not, it is entrepreneurial in that you're using your name, image and likeness, but it's not necessarily the one that's going to be for the volleyball players, for the softball players, for the lacrosse players, the men's soccer team. They may not see those kind of deals. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, how do we get all of this, these scenarios wrapped up in, into a single legislation? And that's going to be really tough. It's going to be tough. And we also, I guess, kind of talking about groups, I thought it was interesting. So they raised a lot of the potential for pay for play. And we've we've covered, you know, we've even covered some things about this. But um, when all the athletes on in like an athletic program or on a team receive, you know, like if, if some company gives them each, I think they even use an example of like $600 and they said, you know, okay, if you're, you're on the, everyone on this team gets this, you're going to endorse 
whatever company and you get this money. Well, that's kind of enticing the student to stay at that school, isn't it? Because they're not getting it. It's not their individual. This is not, this endorsement will not follow them. It's a transfer. From, no, it will not follow them from school to school. So it's kind of forcing the student to stay where they're at, which is interesting. It We're kind of getting into this gray world and everyone at this meeting, like you said, is really for we need some kind of national legislation that's providing some clarity and some real definitions. Just looking back at it from big picture, we have a problem where we're just too obsessed with football and basketball. Yeah. You know, we, we keep, you know, talking about how much money is being brought in and how like the, the student athletes aren't getting their fair share. But then we kind of take a step back and realize, well, it's only men's basketball and men's football that's generating profits. Mm-hmm. Everyone else just wants the opportunity to, you know, the, uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, it was a student athlete from Washington State. Oh, Cammie March. Kimmy, is it Kimmy? Cammie. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cammie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Cammie. Um, she was a, she's a golfer from Washington State, and, you know, they never really kind of explained what her product was, but she's an app developer. Mm-hmm. And so she was going through hoops to release her product. So she is going to school for that. She had a creative idea has nothing to do with anything. No, she's just an entrepreneur. She's just an entrepreneur. And so like, yeah, this legislation should absolutely favor her to let her be an entrepreneur, let her be a student athlete and make some money. Um, but what like her situation is not necessarily the Dr. Pepper deals with, Mm -hmm. uh, Clemson's quarterback. Mm -hmm. They're, they're so entirely different and making that legislation fit. Everybody is going to be really tough to do. Absolutely. That's such a good point. I'm, I cannot wait to see how this, if it goes anywhere, really. Yeah, and I wonder what they're going to do. I mean, are they going to pass it quickly? Do you think, or do you think they're going to try to get a baseline in and you know put something in, change it five <laughs> years later, or? I mean, so everyone today was saying, if we don't do something quickly, we will never. It will just get so taken over by the states. We will never. It will be so hard to implement anything nationally. However. This is just my opinion, but if you rush to pass something, some federal legislation, that's harder to go back on if we don't do it right. Right. Um, so we'll see where that goes. It's pretty interesting. You know, it's my hopes that this is just me talking opinions as well, that whatever does come out nationally when that legislation does drop, you mm-hmm. know, I hope it's broad enough where changes can take place later on, but it allows student athletes just to get the entrepreneurial abilities that they want. Mm-hmm. And then we can go from there. Mm-hmm. We need to open it up. Like, uh, Cammy should be able to release her app mm-hmm. and it shouldn't have effect on, on her status as a golfer at Washington state university. And, mm-hmm. uh, who was the, I can't remember who it was or what school, but there's a gentleman that is a singer that he was, you know, performing under a, a fake name. If you're a singer on Saturday, it's off season. And you want to put a tip jar out there and sell some CDs? That has nothing to do with your with your sport. You're doing it on your own time. It's your job. It's your business. You're an entrepreneur. Will Ulmer the third? Will who is it? Will Will Ulmer the third? Do you know his stage name? Did it say? Um, yeah. All right, we're, we're gonna look it up real quick. <laughs> Sorry, not to interrupt your great thought. He went Lucky Bill. Oh, Lucky Bill <laughs> was a singer. <laughs> But yeah, Lucky Bill. I mean, let him go on stage. Let him sing. But Lucky Bill should have that opportunity. Cammy should have that opportunity. And I think they're going to get that right. Mm -hmm. Actually, I know they will because that's the whole point of this. The legislation started. It's at the state level. It will get to that federal level. Um, Just I hope it doesn't get in the way. And I hope it doesn't just get 
things more muddy, more confusing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Any uh, last words we want to to leave everyone with? This was super, super interesting. Yeah. I encourage you to check it out on YouTube. It'll still be up. Um, if you want to see it, we'll, we'll leave a link in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, check it out. Go through it. Honestly, you watch the first 40 minutes of it. Watch it one and a half speed, whatever you're comfortable with. You'll get the gist of it. You can also, what's helpful if you don't have that time and you're a fairly quick reader, the testimony of each uh, witness. So not their answers, but the testimony of each witness at the beginning, they have that written out already. Uh, And some of, so for example... Mark got cut off during his testimony and a few others did as well. And you can actually read what they were going to say. I think he made it, to, five he made it to point two. He did. And he had five points, I think. So he was making a joke about them being, uh, he was making fun of their athletic ability, which I'm sure was quite funny to watch that panel, um, play baseball <laughs> or whatever they're playing. Um, but yes, but no, so this has been great. We just wanted to fill you in Yeah. and, um, thank you for listening again. If you have any questions for us, you can reach out. We'd love to answer anything you have. You can contact us at contact at victoryfi.com. And again, that's contact at the I C T R E E F I.com or on Instagram at name image likeness podcast. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review the podcast. And we'll catch you next week for our full interview with Mark Ingram. See you next time.